especially when I was when I was younger and just coming into school, like I kind of had this idea that I wanted to, to make some like short films and stuff like that. But I, it was kind of intimidating, like thinking about like, oh man, what are all these things that like a director has to do? Like, what are all these like rules or like expectations, you know, whatever. Hello everyone. Welcome to the eighth episode of the unofficial Lost Year Film Podcast. I'm joined by Chris Sin, Kenton Bramier, and Eric Hardy. Again, say hello everyone. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> so today's topic is uh, directing styles, techniques, and tips, mainly focusing on uh, what does it mean to be a director, especially when you're first starting out. All right. So each of us are in varying levels, especially with uh, directing in itself. Uh, Chris, you directed a few short films. Eric, you directed a, short, a few short films, but now we're focusing on producing. And Kenton, you're just starting out shooting mm -hmm. a couple of your own projects, and but you're focusing as a post-production sound mixer. Uh, and I myself have mainly focused on directing and shot short films. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's just go through each one of us and uh, try and work out uh, the definition of a director. So Kenton, we'll start with you. What do you think a director uh, is? I think a director is the creative boss of the film that they're trying to produce. So they, they have their idea in mind and they're the ones who are trying to get other people to understand it so they can help him create it. Nice. Chris, do you want to flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah, um, I think a director needs to kind of be the person that has a really clear path in mind, right? They have the story in general and how they want to see it happen on screen. They understand what they're trying to, uh, what each scene is supposed to add to the story as a whole. And they have directions and motivations and reasons in their mind for each shot being the way it is, but also for uh, the way that the actors perform on screen. Eric. Yeah, I think those are both really good good definitions. I think I, I'd describe the director as kind of like the, the creative mastermind, um, the person that's like usually closest to the idea and the story and ultimately is the person responsible for taking that nebulous abstract idea that, <clears throat> that lives in their brain and their collaborators' brains and, and finding a way to like keep that idea intact and, and bring it to the screen for people, for other people to like experience what they had in mind. They're kind of the main person controlling that process. Nice. I think those are all great definitions. For lots of people, uh, they inherently know what a director is, but they don't necessarily know uh, what does it mean, especially as a film student, when you're a first or second year, uh, what does a director uh, do you're, you're unsure of it and you're like you're trying to figure out um, every single thing that a director does in order to actually become a director if that makes sense mm -hmm. so let's just um, try and also answer the responsibilities a director um, is responsible for <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Eric what do you think or what, or what are some responsibilities that the director uh, needs to do yeah so I mean First and foremost, like this is the most general. I think the director <laughs> is kind of there to do whatever it takes 
to bring the idea up to life. So that's, that's obviously not a very like practical thing, thing, but like some of the things that a director might do in order to make that happen is, you know, there's kind of the, the obvious like Hollywood image where, you know, you've got your director in the director's chair, um, yelling action and cut and in between scenes, they're going over and working with the actors to like dial in a performance and, and stuff like that. Maybe the director also wrote the script. Maybe they didn't. Um, the director's also doing a lot, a lot of work beforehand working with like cinematographers and things like that to figure out, you know, here's the script, but like, how are we going to like show all this stuff happening? Um, those are kind of some quick things that come to mind. Um, just finding a way to like bring that idea and that story to like the other people that are involved in the process to like figure out how it's all going to happen. Chris? Um, I would say that a director keeps like the objective in mind. So for instance, like every scene is adding to the greater whole of the story, right? And so overall, the director has a really good grasp of the story and has worked really, really hard with uh, understanding the script and understanding uh, how it's going to be shot. And also working really, really hard with the actors to kind of get what they want out of each scene. So w the way that I see a director is that they're always checking, okay, did we accomplish what the scene is supposed to do? Did the actors accomplish what I wanted them to perform? Did this story, can I see it coming together and completing this and telling this story in the way that I see it? So the way that I see a director is just kind of making sure that the objective is always being reached and kind of pushing that uh, to always make sure that they can get closer to the idea. Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially as at least Hollywood features are shot um, not in chronological order. So the director has to keep in mind uh, the place of the script um, and the time um, that they're shooting in. And that's a great point. Kenton, anything? Well, for the student side of things, everything. And <laughs> for, I guess, the more like once you're in the actual system and you're doing in the career of it, you have that you just try and push your vision into the picture pretty much. Yeah, I think uh, what you said and what Eric said too is also a valid point that people need to keep in mind of like doing everything uh, or at least in charge of everything is key, especially like at least in the Hollywood sense that director is in charge of every single creative decision on set and off it in terms of like the color of the um, background, you know, what's in the background because Ultimately, that's the director's choice, and the director can easily say, I don't want that there. Um, let's change that. Mm -hmm. That's another key thing, too. I think you're hitting on um, something really interesting there, Brendan. I think it's also kind of important to point out that um, a director kind of sets the tone for how a set is going to act and function and how it's going to uh, mm -hmm. ultimately play out. And I think we've all been in situations where us as directors have set either a good tone or a really bad tone at times. And it's kind of important to keep in mind that yes, a director is responsible for a lot, but they're also responsible for how a set is ultimately going to function and feel. Yeah, let's touch upon that a little bit more because like you said, like I've definitely been in both <laughs> and have <laughs> been both. Um, and and that's why like in a previous podcast that we did with you, Eric, producing is especially important because 
as a director, if you're stressed uh, and you have everything to keep in mind, then it just it makes it a lot harder to keep up a good attitude on set. And uh, like a lot of stuff is like as a director, you're not inherently aware of, especially if you're trying to produce at the same time as a student. Mm -hmm. And I know for me that something that is extremely important as a crew member and, and as a director is trying to keep everybody up and trying to um, make sure that they that that they know that what they're doing is greatly appreciated and invaluable. Because without that, then you're not getting any like immediate kind of like satisfaction and, gratif and gratification from the set. Mm -hmm. So I think that is um, something at least that I try to do. I don't know if it works all the time <laughs> um, because I'm not, I can't both give and receive on the same set. Um, mm -hmm. But I hope yeah. that is uh, what is important to the people who have worked on my set, um, mainly Chris and Eric. I don't know if, if what your guys' thoughts on what I've done and anything that could be done better or anything that a director should do more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a great perspective to have, um, especially in like the student film space where, you know, you're most likely not paying people or you're trading favors and stuff like that. Um, you, you know, you really can't afford to be like a diva director <laughs> when everyone's there for free or just helping you out. But, um, and, and so I think that's a good perspective there. And, you know, I think all the way up the food chain, being a nice person that's appreciative of the hard work everyone's doing is great. But at the same time, I will also say that like, at the end of the day, that's not, still not like your primary job, you know? So like, I think that's a good perspective to go into it with, you know, like wanting to be appreciative and thankful for all the hard work. But at the end of the day, like it shouldn't be your, you know, you shouldn't be getting too hung up on that. Like, you know, don't, don't be like a jerk to people, but you know, you've got mm -hmm. much bigger, much bigger stuff on your plate than, and keeping everyone on set happy, which I mean, you're never gonna be able to do anyways. But yeah, yeah. But I um, think so. I would say I think Brendan, off the top of my head, I don't have any specific thing I can think of from from any of your projects. But I, I have always felt like very appreciated, and and I've, and I've liked that. But I mean, I don't know if I was doing something that was annoying you, and I don't know you flipped out on me or something like that, like. You know, it's just <laughs> stuff happens. <laughs> if, if you do that multiple times a day, every day, I'm probably not going to keep coming back. But <laughs> I don't think I, I would have a reason. <laughs> like, Eric, come on, focus. <laughs> Eric, F1, one, two, come trying on. to get this. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think you, um, I think there's a lot of things to say about student films that kind of, you know, kind of contribute to a really bad set and a bad director attitude on a day and a really good director attitude on a day. Personally, in my own, uh, in my own sets, I've had um, varying levels of stress, let's say, <laughs> um, based on how prepared I feel. So if I'm a director slash producer of my own student film and I, you know, and I put in the work and I put in the time and I, you know, try to be as detailed as possible so I give everyone as much information as possible, and I also, you know, make sure I have good crafty, make sure everyone gets a break, make sure everyone, you know, has all these things that kind of contribute to a better job. I would feel a lot less stressed uh, going into the day. I've also had experiences where I've not done that and I haven't been as prepared as I should have been or something happens and then my attitude changes 
and all the stress that I'm feeling then gets projected onto the set. And I've definitely had those experiences as well. In one set in particular, um, my most recent film, we had an unexpected uh, medical emergency occur on the set. And I cannot tell you how absolutely overstressed I felt. Um, and I felt that my, my overall being definitely affected the set on the day that it occurred. And if I could have done more to have avoided that and like reduce the amount of stress on set, that probably would have been a better environment. And that kind of goes from like the overall planning that I had. I hadn't uh, locked in, a t I hadn't locked in a location in a timely manner. And thus I couldn't communicate that to my crew. And that definitely projected an air of unprofessionality <laughs> on the first day of set, which kind of like lingered for the next couple of days. Um, but I've also done sets where everything ran as smoothly as I thought it would. I got all my crafting and crew together. We were on time. We ended early, etc. So there's definitely moments in my own experience that I felt overly prepared. And there's times where I'm like, wow, I did not do my job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's it's... a lot to be said for like, you know, from from the top down, setting like a good tone and a good, good uh, vibe. And, and yeah, I mean, if people, directors, producers, ADs, if they're, you know, super stressed out or kind of running on empty, you know, that can happen. It can, you know, just trickle down through the whole set. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, that just happens sometimes. It's, it's definitely good to be you know, the more prepared you are, the, the better your chances are of not getting overwhelmed on the day. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> stuff just happens. You got to roll with it. But but definitely, yeah, the, there is a lot to be said for the role that, you know, the people at the top play in, in setting the tone for how the shoot will go, you know. Definitely. Kenton, do you have any thoughts on, on this or questions? Um, on... How to keep like the crew happy as a director? Or... Yeah, or your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, just try not to be like a jerk, I guess. <laughs> like, just be, be. They're human. You're human. Respect them. They'll respect you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like, especially when you're starting out as a student, you know, yeah. it's important to keep in mind that. Everybody, like, nobody knows exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, don't scream at someone when they mess up. <laughs> Be normal. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, Brendan, were you looking maybe for, like, we, we definitely kind of went on a winding path there. Were you looking more for maybe giving someone an idea who's who's not very familiar with things, maybe, like, some specific, like, tasks that a director does? Is that kind of more what you were after? Yeah, I mean, that was something else that we would touch upon, but we just came, kind of went down this path, which I thought sure. would be a good idea. So let's, yeah, let's go into that, um, the exact craft of a director. So um, Kenton, what are some things that a director is like definitely responsible for, like individual tasks that he oh, needs to do well, or he or she needs to do? He needs to make sure that the actors know what they're going to say. Like they better have their lines memorized if you're going to be shooting. He has to have a good idea of what his scene is going to look like and be able to explain what he wants it to look like. Like, if He needs to know how to communicate because if he can't communicate, he's not going to get what he wants to have come across to the DP and then to the gaffer and so on and so forth. So he needs to have that 
the directors need to have excellent communication skills and leadership skills because it's basically like just any other position where you're a boss you need to be able to communicate to the people that work for you so you can have what so you can have the best thing done to make yourself look the best pretty much definitely how does one improve their communication skills as uh, as a director um I guess just try and be personable. Like, like I said earlier, don't scream at someone for doing something <laughs> minuscule. Like, if they're gonna drop a light, make sure that they don't do that. But like, if they mess up like one line, like in the fifth take, like, don't just go off on them for having one human mistake. Like, just be kind. <laughs> yeah, I think something uh, also too to keep in mind. Uh, especially if you want something changed as a director is to know exactly what it is and why. Mm -hmm. And if you don't admit it that you don't know, but say that like you're unsure, but something just doesn't uh, feel right. Because mm -hmm. if you know exactly what is bothering you, then it's a lot easier to say that. Um, and it's a lot easier to communicate it rather than just saying like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't look cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like be direct it's in the word <laughs> yes hilarious um chris uh specific tasks a director uh needs to do yeah um i think a director needs to do their homework on their characters and their story as a whole i think they need to understand what their actors are going to do how they're going to do it and why they're doing it so for instance um when i was directing I would try to uh, create a study bible, essentially, of who my characters were. Like, I would, I would fill out this question sheet of all of these different aspects. Where did they grow up? Um, what religion did they grow up around? What was their socioeconomic status, et cetera? Like, stuff that you would never really outright say in a film, but should be motivating factors for your characters. Um, characters are not just, you know, tiny things that appear in a film once. They have hopefully a life behind them that informs the decisions they're making in the movie in the scene and so for me a director needs to really understand their characters and do their homework how that they're how they're going to be and how they're going to perform and then like Kenson was saying they need to be able to communicate what that is to their actors and if it's not coming across in one explanation they need to be creative and think about a different way to explain it or a different avenue to approach it from. You need to find something that is relatable in the way you're describing your characters so that your actors can understand your point of view and then perform that. And if something's not quite right, then yeah, a director has to kind of be introspective enough to understand what's wrong about that scene or where it's kind of gone awry and help correct that to be in a place where it's reaching the objective of the scene so it serves the story. Yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, especially research is especially important for a director. Many times, I think student filmmakers being like, oh, you know, the screenwriter does all the research. Um, but when in fact, you know, every single thing um, informs the decisions um, that are made on set. And like you're saying, Chris, like the more you know about the characters, the more you can, you know, dress their room or uh, influence uh, how they act or talk is another thing is especially important um, to make mm -hmm. it more specific and more personal to each character and person eric any specific tasks <laughs> yeah i think maybe what i'll do is kind of like back it up even more because i think especially when i was when i was younger just coming into school 
like I kind of had this idea that I wanted to, to make some like short films and stuff like that. But I, it was kind of intimidating, like thinking about like, oh man, what are all these things that like a director has to do? Like, what are all these like rules or like expectations, you know, whatever. And I think at the day, at the end of the day, like, especially from a student filmmaking perspective, maybe the simplest way to look at it is like, so let's say you wrote a script and now you want to like turn it into a, a short film. Um, and just thinking about like the things you need to do to get from that point A to that point B. So like, okay, I need to make sure that my script is fully written and polished and ready to go. I need to, if there's going to be people in the story, I need to find actors to play the people, whether that's real actors or my friends, or I don't know, someone in the drama club that you know, something like that. Um, either I'm going to have to film this or I'm going to have to find, you know, a cinematographer or, uh, a DP to help me film it. And depending on the scope of the project, any other like support team, you know, whether they have a camera operator, a first AC, you know, gaffer, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously if you need to hear things, then you need to go find, you know, someone like Chris or uh, Kenton, I guess Kenton, if you're doing post sound, maybe you're not on set, but um, some people to help make sure that we can, we can hear what's happening. <laughs> So there's, there's like, you know, finding and picking your crew and, you know, depending on the scale of your project, maybe you have a producer or something to help you with that, but you got to find people to be in it and then kind of assemble a team to make it happen. And then you go in and, and you do it and you're, you're doing that work of while you're filming, kind of steering the ship creatively and making sure that if an actor's performance isn't quite what you want, that, you know, you're, you're helping them get there or if the shot looks wrong, you're working with you know, your, your cinematographer or whoever to make sure the shot looks right. And then once you finish everything and you're in post-production, you're there either editing it yourself or working with, you know, an editor or an editing team to, to make sure that everything you film is coming together in the way that you wanted. Um, and so even those are kind of like a little bit vague of tasks, but especially from like the, the student film perspective, it's all about like looking at at what your goal is and just kind of assessing what things need to happen to like get to that goal. And what I realized pretty early on is that like, okay, so in my mind I thought, okay, so so I'm gonna direct this short film. So okay, I've got my script. Cool. So now you're supposed to do like storyboards, right? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do some storyboards. Okay, like I've got my storyboards. Um, okay, what else am I supposed to do? Oh, I should probably write like some character bios. Uh, so I'm going to do some, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write a little backstory on each of my characters. Like, okay, I've got that. And then kind of like went down this, like, you know, exhaustive, like list of things I was supposed to do. And then got to the day of filming and I still like had no clue like what I was doing. Um, and I think what I realized is there was, you know, by focusing on like this idea that there's a list of things I'm supposed to do as a director, quote unquote, by focusing on that instead of like, okay, here's the creative problem I have, what needs to happen to solve it. I kind of got lost in the weeds of, you know, all of these like bullet points I thought I was supposed to hit and like hitting those bullet points would then make sure that whatever I made was going to be great. Um, but I was kind of like, what's the phrase like losing the, the trees for the forest or whatever, or losing the forest for the trees. Um, mm -hmm. Like I was so focused on each individual like task that 
it kind of pulled me away from making sure that my overall goal was was what I wanted. And so I think in, in that task space, sometimes it's better to just, especially when you're starting out and you're new, like don't get hung up on what you think like you're supposed to do as a director. Just like focus on, you know, the problems as they come and, and what it's going to take to like make things happen. And especially as a student, like who cares if you're like doing it by the book or not, you know, if you come out <laughs> the other side with like a great story or a great project you're really proud of, like that's like the real end goal. Like who cares whether you checked all these boxes along the way, you know? I totally agree. I think that my issue is kind of very similar to yours where I was very much in that mindset of, oh, I just checked the boxes and then I should get a good product, right? A to B is this simple line, right? <laughs> no, it's, I, I can say that I'm definitely guilty of really losing the point of what I was filming just because I was thinking, oh, I've done all the right things. Therefore, I'm going to get a great story. And I think it's really hard to remind yourself that it's not just a checklist. And especially when you're, you know, doing it for, let's say if you're doing it for a class and it is literally a checklist that you have to do, it's kind of really hard to understand that this is creativity and it's not just some like formulaic process that's going to spit out a great product. So I think you need to find the balance and the love and the passion behind what you're doing and kind of keep that as the focus, but, you know, checking all the necessary boxes at the same time, there needs to be something between there. Yeah. And I think it's it's also about, you know, like a lot of those, <laughs> that checklist, for example, that stuff's like out there because it can be really useful and really helpful. Um, it's, they're not just like arbitrary things, you know, definitely. So I think it's about like, okay, so I've got <laughs> a day to film this and a hundred bucks, like is spending my morning making storyboards gonna, gonna be the best use of my time? You know, like it's about looking at those things and deciding what's helpful and what's not helpful, you know? Um, if you're trying to do some like really complicated shot and, and you can't really like explain to anybody what you're thinking, like, yeah, it's probably worth the time to like storyboard this out or draw some diagram to like, you know, show everybody. But if, if all you're going to be doing is like, you know, filming, you know, an interaction between two people where you get, you know, one over the shoulder shot and then the other over the shoulder shot and then like a two shot, like, you probably don't really need to like diagram that out or, you know, make storyboards. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of about looking at these things and saying, okay, is that useful? Is that helpful or, you know, or not rather than just saying, well, it's here. So I got to do it, you know, <laughs> unless yeah, of course, obviously if it is for a class and you have to do it for an assignment, that's a different story, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, making sure that you come out with a completed project is of course the number one thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and not being a jerk while doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Kenton, any yeah. any thoughts? Mm, no, not for this one. All right, so moving on, then we hear lots. At least I've heard lots of talk about craft and mastering your craft. What is a director's craft? Oh, that's a big question. Hmm. I think you're going to have to define that a little bit more for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at least in terms of directors, you know, there's varying levels, or at least there's, you know, different views upon uh, what a director actually is. Is the director an actor's director? Is a director a technical director? Um, 
you know, we hear lots of sc uh, screen, like the talk of screenwriters mastering their craft of like making sure they um, know what there is, know what it is they're doing and nailing the foundations, nailing the outline so that therefore they can break the rules mm -hmm. with directing. What is the craft of a director, if that makes any uh, better sense? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, okay, I think that's something that's really difficult to kind of grasp, and it has to kind of be put into context. Um, I think that it's really, it's a lot easier to become an expert at your craft the more that you do it. But in the filmmaking world, we're not, we don't have as many opportunities or as many chances to practice our craft in general. And for a director especially, that's one position on set versus, let's say, a grip that can get hired onto several sets at the same time, do the same job, but there's like four or five grips on a student film, if you're lucky or whatever. But the point is, is that there's a lot more open spots and a lot more chances to practice, right? So as a director, your craft is really how you're kind of, you're developing a style and a technique and a method almost to how you're doing your job and doing it well. And for a student director, it may be extremely difficult to find the time or to find the availability to practice your craft. And it's really hard at that point to then develop any type of experience. So for a director in a student world, the best way to try to find what you're doing and try to find your style is to do it as often as possible. And for directing, that means getting as many opportunities to either direct your own stuff or direct other people's work that, you know, that they would trust you to work on. And that's in the way that you can create your own style. I think it would be very difficult to expect yourself to be a really good director on your first, second, or third go. And for some student filmmakers, their first, second, or third go is the end of their college career. And then they have to go into the real world and say, oh, I'm this inexperienced student director that's directed three things. You should trust me with this several thousand dollar project. I think it's really hard to have a craft or master your craft if you really haven't practiced. I think the director's craft is like is is filmmaking is communicating telling stories using essentially moving images that that's like the definition of the craft i guess um is using those tools and those resources to tell stories and things like that um I think Chris is totally spot on that the way to develop that craft is just to do it as, as often as possible. And in, I would say like in as varied of environments as possible. So like, especially if you're just starting out and you kind of have an inkling that this might be something you're interested in doing, but you don't really, really know where you want to take it. The more like variety and different circumstances you can, you know, create projects in, I think the better, you know, like maybe, Maybe you want to make a music video. Your friends got a band or something like that. Like, go do it. You know, maybe you, you have a, a story you want to tell and you've written a script and you've got a short film, you know, like try that. Maybe, maybe you've got some neighbor with like a really interesting, you know, story or something like weird in their lawn or something like that that could make an interesting like documentary subject, you know, just like grab your camera and see if they'd be willing to let you like film them and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so the development of it is just, I think, especially early on, doing it always, it's doing it as often as possible, but early on, it's it's specifically doing it in, you know, as many different ways as possible to kind of see what you like and, and what 
catches your interest, you know. Kenton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sort of to build off of Chris's point about practicing and then Eric's point about practicing in like every type of situation. It's kind of like how it's easy to like equate things to sports just because they're like so popular. So like sports people, they have to practice pretty much all day and then they practice each type of situation that could happen in a game. So a director needs to pretty much do the same thing in film, but instead of being in a game, you're in a set and you need to make sure that everything happens according to the plan that you want it to happen to sort of. Yeah. I think at least for me, especially when I, when I first started out, I didn't know what exactly what to do as a director. And I think, um, well, you just said, Kenton, making sure that you know what you want to do is extremely important as a director in order to really hone your craft. You have to, figure or you have to understand why you want to tell this story why um or at least like what what was the end goal of the project of of the piece is it to maybe sell a product for a commercial is it to tell a specific story is it to try and subtly influence um the people with a message is it to um show what is happening in the documentary you know really understanding why you're telling that specific thing is extremely important. And I know for myself, um, differentiating between an actor's director and a technical technical director, like I'm much more so a technical director um, in that way, because I'm not naturally, um, I, or I, I never worked with like actors for like a long time. So I didn't know exactly how to act. So my first work was very much more technical, focused on the movement of the camera, focused on the colors, focused on the juxtaposition of two images, uh, and and understanding how they affect uh, people inherently, I think is, um, I think, key, at least in my experience as a director, understanding the, the director's craft. So since you kind of brought those two things up, I'm curious, Brendan, how would you define an actor's director? You kind of just got into the, the technical director a little bit, but how would you define like an actor's director versus like a technical director? Yeah, in my mind, an actor's director is very much more focused upon um, the actual performance. Of course, the, the technical director is too, but the actor's director is, um, at least in my understanding, and like, if, let's just say if you're on a Hollywood set, the actor's director is like right next to the camera, um, watching the actors in their own eyes and not through the camera. Whereas a more technical director is kind of focused upon the movement of the camera, what is seen in frame, and therefore they might be off in like another room in Video Village. Uh, and in that sense, they're much more focused upon the actual frame rather than what they see in with their own eyes um, in in the actors, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So like the the uh, the actors director is maybe not necessarily less tech savvy, but they they work spend most of their time working with the actors and and rely heavily on the expertise of their their technical collaborators, like the cinematographer and and their team. 
whereas like a technical director maybe is more <laughs> more in with like the, the cinematographer and and that team and is relying a lot more on the actors to bring their own flair things is that kind of what you're getting at there yeah at least that's my understanding of yeah. an actor yeah. director versus mm-hmm. technical director yeah 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 and that kind of stems at least my being more of a technical director stems from me not knowing how to communicate directly with actors and we'll probably touch upon that a little bit later in another podcast but um, really briefly uh, we have all had some experience trying to direct um, actors kenton we'll start with you how do you direct actors when i was directing my thing a few months ago i was with because i only had one other actress with me that i was telling them what to do so i and since we were friends before it made it easier to have that communication like i could tell her what i wanted out of her and even when she thought she couldn't do something i was like i believe that you could and i think that made it a lot easier kind of to communicate what i wanted to get across and just because we already had a previous connection yeah i think that's great uh chris yeah i think the hard part about directing actors is that you're trying to take this like ethereal character that you've created in your mind from the script and like your actor has also read the script and maybe they have a different image in their mind based on their experiences and what you're trying to do is you're trying to kind of like make those two things the same person and so directing actors um is kind of this to me a balancing act of like not overly you know stepping on the toes of the actors and their performance but also at the same time kind of pushing them in the direction that you want them to go and that can be as you know little of a change as oh, I want you to kind of like slow down how you're speaking because in my mind this person does this this way for this reason, or it could be something as I need you to kind of envision that you're you need to pee or something, and you're really impatient with the situation, and I need you to kind of show <laughs> that impatience, give it to the actor to kind of get them in the direction you want them to go, but at the same time respecting that if they if you believe that they are very very competent and very very professional that giving them the space to kind of to interpret it as well. So finding that balance, I think, is really important. Eric. Mm, Okay. Well, um, I'm not really directing any actors anymore. (laughs) So my kind of approach with the short films that I directed was to find character or to find people that that fit more or less the character that I had in mind. And then basically just spending a lot of time with them talking about the character um, maybe that included some backstory, some of those things, depending on how involved the role was basically asking the actor before we even started filming or started production or anything like that to just kind of like try this, this person on, if you will. And then kind of just like get back to me on, you know, if there were anything, anything that didn't feel right or any inconsistencies in thinking about how this character might behave and might play out the script. Um, or if there's any any other ideas they had for how to do it better. So there was a lot of work done preemptively working on the character with the actors and then also actually having like some rehearsals and things like that to test things out. But in terms of actually like directing them in the moment in a rehearsal or on set, I think Chris is spot on there that it's a lot of it is, um, you know, developing helpful analogies if you need to correct a performance or, or modify a performance um, as opposed to like just saying, Hey, you know, you're too sad right now. Can you be less sad? You know, like 
working with them in the situation to find a way that helps them more like naturally, you know, find a shift in tone, especially if you're working with, um, you know, if you're a student, the odds of you working with like a professional quote unquote actor are generally pretty slim. And so, especially if you're just working with friends or if you're working with um, kind of some amateur actors, um, you know, finding something that's just really simple and easy for anybody to kind of like, oh yeah, I know what that feels like. I remember how I felt when something like that happened to me or yeah, I remember the day I got back from, you know, wherever and this is how I felt, you know, finding these, these really accessible kind of like common human experiences that, you know, it kind of goes back to the conversation discussion. Like I could spend an hour describing the performance I want from you or I could take 10 seconds to describe a scenario that I know we've both experienced and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, like trying to think of a good one off the top of my head, like maybe memories of, of Christmas as like a little kid, you know, when you finally got the, the present you you'd been waiting for the one that you'd asked for like over and over and over and over again. Like a lot of people can relate to that feeling of opening the present and seeing it there. And, you know, that's like an example of something that you could say, or, you know, and, and maybe more, a more like sad case, like talking to, to someone about the day, like their dog died or something like that, you know, while you obviously experience, we all experience these things like differently. The, the emotions are kind of similar and, and those kinds of things are really key in terms of actually like directing someone and modifying a performance is, is finding like a common ground where you can take these like abstract ideas and package them in a way that you know you're like on the same page, you know? And, and that's like the, the most helpful, I think, and most succinct way to do that. Um, and it's just, you know, so like I was saying, something like just <laughs> be less sad is just not like a helpful, <laughs> a helpful kind of note, you know? Um, and, and ultimately that will only give you, I think a surface level performance. You know, if you just, if you just tell someone to be less sad, they're not going <laughs> to get into the character as deep as they might if they were imagining a specific type of happiness, you know? Yeah. Just don't be sad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think I think the term I think the technical term is destination act uh, destination directing and destination oh. acting. You you should not describe where they need to be. You kind of need to describe how they're supposed to be getting to that place that you're thinking of. Because mm. like you were saying, it's a lot easier to understand a process than it is to understand. Okay, just be sad for this. Just be sad. Well, what kind <laughs> of sad? Melancholy, mourning, lamenting. You know, there's a lot of different types of sad here. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I even think, then, like, what kind of melancholy? Mm -hmm. What kind of mourning? Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind uh, what the actors should keep in mind uh, when they're acting. Because if they're just thinking to be sad, then they're like, what does sad look like? How am I supposed to be sad? Rather than, like like you said, Eric, if, if you're, they're thinking about the day that their dog died, then it's a lot easier to um, get themselves into that emotion as well. And, like, you know... Yeah. We both, you guys both touched upon like those key things about uh, not giving them a result, but giving them um, a process or giving them a scenario, giving them an adjustment. And I think that also comes from casting the right actor. I think the saying goes that like what casting is 80% of directing or something like that. Mm. And I think that is huge as well. But also there are, are professional actors that do want a result or do want a line read. Um, even those, those those are like two things that 
like they teach you like to not do. There are actors that do that, so it's important to know um, how their how their process works, and maybe they're really good at result or destination um, acting. Right. So that's huge. Yeah, I mean, with as with everything, it's always a it's a case by case, scenario by scenario <laughs> thing. You know, some people, some people, yeah, might respond really well to that that destination kind of directing. And, and sometimes to be like honest, depending on the application, um, like I know it's not uncommon, even in some like commercials where someone's giving a testimonial, let's say, um, and let's say it's even an, an honest, true testimonial. Let's say it's like a, a commercial for, I don't know, Target or something. And they have a real Target customer telling a real thing that actually happened to them in a Target store that was like a positive experience. But let's say maybe they're they're having a little trouble, you know, performing quote unquote on camera and telling their story in a a nice, believable way. I know there's circumstances where a director may go and sit down and just say, <clears throat> you know, repeat after me, and then like say it, and then the person repeats it after them, and then the director does it a different way, and the person repeats it after them. So it really is all about like the application and the context and what what your individual talent, your actors are going to respond the best to. Um, there's like a wide variety of options, definitely. Yeah, I think that I want to point out really briefly is action verbs as well. Um, we all, if you don't know what it is, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find lots of short examples on action verbs too. What, right. what about action verbs? Uh, so at least to give them, if you want to give them uh, a process, quickly um, action verbs are a great way like just say if you want to it's like tell an actor to attack someone with your words um, would be like an example you know, yeah. attack as an action verb or accuse or you know something like that <laughs> yeah. um, all right moving on to um, another topic I think uh, as with directing actors it is important to know um, what you want at what you want as a director and your vision in mind. Um, so what, why is it really important for a director to know um, their vision? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, ultimately, I think what it comes down to is if you don't know what you want going into a project, you don't know what you're going to get coming out of it, I guess. Um, there are some cases where, you know, <laughs> kind of just experimenting and going in without necessarily like a, a super concrete plan can be beneficial to the project. Like there's definitely so much to be said for experimentation and discovering things along the way. Um, but if you don't know, even in a situation like that, if you don't know what it is you're you're after then i think the odds of you getting what you want just decrease you know significantly um the importance of of knowing your vision and having a specific vision is you know that's that's going to inform every decision that you make from the beginning to the end of the project and so if you don't know what that is you could just end up kind of going around in circles or never ending up anywhere. Hmm. Chris? Yeah, I think Eric is 
definitely like right on the money there because I've been in, I've done projects where I haven't necessarily known where I'm going to go with this. And that has definitely hurt the overall product or the overall story because if you don't know as a director, at least a vector or a direction or, you know, cardinal direction that you're going to be going in, then your story is most likely not going to be there. You may be trying to go north, but you may end up like the west or something. Um, and also, it just speaking from a crew's perspective, I've also been on plenty of sets where I've, I can tell that the director has no idea where they're going. And that does not really speak well for the project as a whole. It really sets a really bad tone if the person that's supposed to be steering the ship has no idea where we're going. Mm -hmm. And that does not put a lot of confidence in me as a crew member um, working on that project. Yeah. Sorry, one, one last thing real quick to, to add on to what, what Chris and I are both saying. Like, I want to be clear that that doesn't necessarily mean you need to know exactly how everything is going to go going into a project because no one ever does. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> you go all the, way up, all the way up the food chain, even like $100 million budgets, like, you kind of never know until you actually do it. You know, you never know exactly what it's going to be. And so not to like stress anybody out, I'm not advocating for knowing exactly everything about how the project will work, but like you should know where you, where you're headed at least, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's important to point out. Kenton, any thoughts on, on this? Yes. So going to the big Hollywood side of things, a very clear, area where there was a lack of vision was in the last three Star Wars movies. (laughs) Because you have J.J. Abrams who created the first one and he had no vision of where it was going to end up. And then he came back to make the third one after there was a second one that completely differed from the first one. So now the third one had to differ from the second one to relate back to the first one. And it was just a whole mess of vision. And the majority of people don't like those movies compared to the old originals. So there's a very clear lack of vision. Yeah, I think that also stems also from the overall uh, producing side of it too, uh, at least Mm -hmm. financing it, and the overall creative vision for those three movies. Yeah, and then another reason that it's bad or that you need your vision set out from the get-go is if you're getting paid, you don't want to have the person who's paying you get annoyed at you and fire you because you don't have your vision ready. Yeah, the director's job is to have a vision. So if you don't have a vision, then yeah, they'll find someone who does have a vision and they'll get them to work on it instead of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes even if you do have a vision as the director, it might differ from the financier. So they might just fire you and place you if your vision, if they don't <laughs> mm-hmm. like your vision. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. You could have a very specific bad vision. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know at least for in my own experience directing, um, there's an actor that told me that and then when I asked him like if there's anything that I can do better, he was like, No, just keep in mind like you know what you want and that's really important. I've worked on sets that people uh, that a director that the director didn't know what they want. And putting that in perspective as an actor, like if you don't know what your director wants, it's like it reflects both um, on both of you because you might look bad in the final piece and you might be sitting there doing 50 takes trying to like get a or just doing a different performances so that the, the director can play with it in the final piece and that might be really frustrating mm-hmm. so on the flip side of that same equation um i think it's also really 
important to have a vision, but also have the opportunity to be flexible within how something is performed. Because taking too few takes is just as bad as taking way too many. Like if you only have one direction, one vision, one perspective that you're going to be looking at this from as a director and you get to the cutting room floor and you're like, wow, this does not work at all. And you only took three takes because you're like, oh, got it right there. We can move on. <laughs> then it's going to be extremely hard for you in the in the post side of things to get your story together. Yeah, I think due to the like uh, nature of filmmaking, you know, it's never like like you said before, it's never a straight path. You know, there's this curvature and winding road that might take you in a different direction in the edit or may maybe midway through uh, production. So making sure that you are flexible if somebody has a better um, a better idea is definitely something to keep in mind too. Um, so on that on that note, how how do you guys think um, it is for a director to kind of settle for what they have? or push for something more in terms of like, if let's just say if they're constrained by time, if they're constrained by any other restrictions, um, or if they just have time, like, is it worth it to like push for more or just settle for, I think that was a good take mm. or settle for maybe that um, was the perfect take. <laughs> if you have the perfect take, you can move on. But if you're just, oh yeah, that was, you never want to have something be just good enough because then you're not going to have a very good product at the end of it you need to have something that you want to put your name on not something that you can put your name on yeah but let's just say in the scenario that you know you had a good take but you're five minutes um past your the time do you like when they get the perfect take or do you just want to be like okay let's let's settle for this that was good enough i think you have to kind of weigh your options at that point in my opinion um, you have a lot of takes in a day. You have a lot of shots you got to get done. You have a lot of setup that has to happen. And ultimately, you have a very limited amount of budget and time. And so I think as a director, um, you're supposed to kind of keep this idea of what is most important in your head. And that could be, okay, this scene is important, but the scene we're doing next is more important than this first scene. Okay, I need to spend more time and more effort and more energy on that take specifically. And then this take I can settle a little bit more for. But then you may have times where, you know, your actor delivers a really, really, really solid performance. And you're like, no, this is worth this is worth spending a little extra time on to kind of like really hone that in. And I'll sacrifice a little bit of effort and time over there. But I think it's figuring out what is the most important thing. And that can be a daily thing. That could be a day by day case where you may have a great set of things one day and then a horrible set of things the other day and you still got to make those decisions of what's most important yeah or maybe even finding a different way to shoot it if you're constrained by time is also another thing to keep in mind eric any thoughts i think chris really hit it hit it on the head there um that it's kind of about <laughs> you know weighing you know what, what your options are because because you know sometimes you just there's like no <laughs> there's no way to win um Things happen, and and sometimes you find yourself in that kind of a situation. But I think it goes back a little bit to your question about vision. The clearer your vision for the project, the, the easier it'll be for you to make those tough calls. Um, if you don't really know where you're headed, and well, if you don't know where you're headed, 
sometimes you may not even know if what you're getting is good or not. You know, if, if you have a hard time seeing the full picture, I don't know, maybe that was the perfect take. Maybe, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Um, so if you, if you don't have a clear vision, you know, those kinds of scenarios where you're having to make those tough calls could be <laughs> kind of like catastrophic where you end up finding yourself spending an extra hour on a scene that turns out in the edit you didn't even need. And it meant that you lost another hour from like the most important scene. Um, you know, who knows, but, um, at the end of the day, if you have a clear vision, then I think it makes it, it easy for you to know whether or not like you've got what you need. Um, and hopefully going in too, you'll know sometimes, you know, okay, I've got, I've got a take, I've got the take that I was looking for here, but you know, I think there may be some other stuff that we can try. So I'd like to spend some time trying some other things. So like, maybe it's not, okay, well that take will work. Maybe it is that take was, that take was good. I like that. That's what I was looking for, but I think there may be more. Let's, let's dig for some more. Um, you know, like Chris was saying, if you know that the next scene is maybe less important and you think you're going to have no problem getting that, then like, and if you think experimenting is going to further the success of your vision, then, you know, you can make that call and be like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try some other stuff, you know, like, I don't know, say your lines backwards, this one, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's just really important to have your vision in place because that'll inform your ability to decide, you know, on a case by case basis, you know, is this, is this good enough? Am I, am I good to move on? Or is this, is this not working yet? All right. So moving on, uh, and the answer might really just be the same thing as we said before, but uh, many times, especially as a student, you're not sure, you know, if you have the, res uh, the respect of like maybe an experienced actor that you're working with. Um, how do you maybe get respect from or have other people respect you if you're just like a person starting out as a director? Ooh, that's, that's a, a good one. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, Brennan, I don't know if you planned it this way, but the, the biggest thing there, I think, especially with getting respect from people that are more experienced than you, um, especially if it's apparent that they're more experienced than you, I think the most important thing is to come with, come to them with a really clear vision. Um, ultimately you, you're probably just going to encounter some bumps along the way, but like if you come to especially like an experienced actor or, or some other, some other collaborator that's really, really close to you in the process, like a cinematographer or an editor, if you don't have a clear vision, what'll probably happen is one, they'll, they'll either eat you alive or chances are they also have their own vision for the project and it'll take over if you don't have your own. But I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, um, if you're, if you're working with someone that's like leagues ahead of you, but you've gotten them on board, you know, as long as you're honest with them about kind of where you're at and you don't set false expectations for your experience level, if you have a great idea and they've come on because they have, you know, because they, they recognize the great idea, the best thing you can do is just be really thorough in your preparation to like flesh out that idea. Um, because if they kind of understand where you're coming from, 
you know, if they're a reasonable person and they like the idea, they'll work with you to, they'll work with you through your, let's say your lack of experience to, to bring the whole thing to life, you know, but if you don't have a clear vision, like, good luck. <laughs> yes, I think that is key too. Chris, oh, Kenton, any thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, first of all, you cannot demand respect. No one ever is going to give you respect if you like rule over it or like, you know, yell at them or whatever. No one's going to actually give you respect in that. You have to earn their respect. And the best way to earn their respect is to come prepared, understand what you're doing, understand what they're doing, and work to collaborate. Because ultimately, filmmaking is a collaborative process. You need their help to create your film. And it really starts with you giving them the respect that they deserve because ultimately you either paid them or you asked them to come on your set. So they're really, in some cases, doing you a favor. So give them respect, understand where you're going, and do as much of your homework as you can. And like Eric said, be honest. If you really don't know the answer to a question, you need to ask. You should ask. And mm -hmm. ultimately, if they are you know, generous enough with you, they will answer you and help you. Because it is a collaborative process, and everyone, in some way, wants this project to succeed. No one wants to work on a project that's just a dead end. Yeah. Kenton, any thoughts? I was kind of going to say what Chris was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> about if you respect others, they'll usually respect you in turn. Especially if you come prepared and look like you know what you're doing. They'll usually respect you for it. Yeah. Um, and also something that I... And like the next topic also touches more upon what Chris just said about collaboration and um, being honest with people. Um, so as as a director, you know, you are the, the captain of the ship. Um, you do have that final say. But when is it time to listen to others um, if they make a suggestion or if they have an idea? Or who do you listen to? I think that whenever someone gives you an idea, you should at least hear it out. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to necessarily adhere to it like 100%, but maybe it might be the best idea you've ever heard and you could have like an Oscar winning idea. I think that if you're going to uh, listen to anybody, you should listen to the people that you respect or the people that you think have some like validation and credit to what they're saying. But as a student filmmaker, get what you want first, because ultimately it is your name as the director. So get what you want first. And then listen to the advice of other people, especially those that may be more experienced than you, they have a good two cents to put in. But like Kenton was saying, take it with a grain of salt. It's ultimately your choice whether to follow that or not, but mm -hmm. you should listen to what other people have to say. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw the line back again. If you have a solid creative vision, when you hear new ideas you're more likely to know whether or not they add or take away from what you're trying to do. Um, personally, I think it's great to be, you know, open-minded and listen to, to advice. Um, I don't think it's helpful to just pretend to be some expert and not take anyone else's feedback. But I mean, you only have so much time and you only have, you know, so many people you can hear from that like, you know, you can't just go around to the set and ask everyone, hey, what do you think I should do, you know? Um, so I think Chris is right. I think it's it's about being open-minded and specifically maybe, you know, listening to advice from people that you, you trust. You trust their opinions, you trust their experience. Um, and I think it's also really, really important to, 
to listen to people that are your really close collaborators. Like, you know, the first AC who, you know, got hired yesterday and has been on the set for maybe one shoot day is a whole lot less familiar with what you're trying to accomplish than, you know, the cinematographer that's been working with you for a month. Um, Mm -hmm. So even if you have a first AC that's been working for like 30 years in the industry, you know, they're really new to the project and they, they're much less familiar with it. So it's, it's about like being open to advice, but like being very picky about whose advice you're listening to, I think. Mm-hmm. Any more thoughts on this? What do you think, Brendan? Um, I think you guys nailed it pretty on, you know, if you have the time, you know, take the time to listen to um, the idea, but also bear in mind uh, who you're listening to. Uh, and you know the people that you and keep in mind the people that you trust most and like Eric said um, if you have a clear vision it's easier to know um, what is on that track or what is and what is not so yes all right moving on to the last topic um, directing in different categories so directing uh, TV directing narrative directing documentary and, doc- and directing commercial Obviously, like none of us have been to a Hollywood or directing a Hollywood feature. Uh, none of us are directing a TV series. Uh, Eric, yet. you've <laughs> yet, <laughs> yes, yet. Um, we've we've done some uh, low budget documentaries. Oh, Eric, you're working in the commercial space, and uh, we're all stu- or we were. Some of us are students <laughs> that have directed short films. So how do you guys see the difference in the role of a director between those four categories? Um, narrative, feature or short, uh, TV, commercial, and documentary. That's a wide question. I would say that a director, let's go from like student and then like ramp up, let's say. Um, a director as a student has a lot more to worry about and a lot more broad responsibility when it comes to a project coming together and being filmed. But then as you kind of get into more professional space, a director has more narrow responsibility. Okay, I'm a director only, so that means I only need to worry about how my actors perform, ultimately how it looks in camera, and then how it's supposed to feel. Okay, that's a much more narrow like description. But at the same time, it's so much more specific and so much more detailed and needs to be it needs to have the amount of effort and work put into it that reflects the professionality of the medium you're trying to uh, display this in. When you're thinking about directing the television series, you have a lot more opportunity to tell a much larger story. So maybe it's more important that you focus on character development points than it is to focus on this grand overarching scheme or telling a story very quickly as if you were in a movie space. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we talked about this in the producing episode of if you're in a commercial space as a director, you have to keep in mind, okay, well, what does the client want and what am I helping add to that vision? So in general, that's a broad overview of what I've understood. Kenton. Um, I'd like to focus on a TV one just because I had an idea come up. And I think it's very important for the director in a TV series to be able to direct it in such a way that you're able to hand it off to the next person. Because usually in a TV show, you're, you have like 
say you have a 13 episode season you have like 10 directors directing 13 of those episodes so like you need to be able to be able to continue the story in such a way as to make it available for someone else to continue after you and to also make the creator of the series happy too yes i think that's really important to keep in mind uh, in tv eric any anything yeah i guess what uh, i'm kind of curious what maybe you're after a little bit more with this question um because there's there's like the obvious differences where like you know like a director who signs on for to do a feature film is you know potentially signing up for that to become the next three to five years of their life maybe um versus like what kenton was saying where you have like tv shows that a director may just come on for one episode and and instead of like bringing people into their vision they're kind of having to fit into someone else's vision um just for like a single episode and then and you've got commercials where you're you're directing for a specific like client need or short films where you're kind of just doing it for yourself i guess i'm kind of curious what what you're you're after with the question a little more yeah so how does the role differ between those four spaces um as a director because like mm-hmm. you said like you know in like uh, you, you said, Kenton, in TV, you know, you're not ne- necessarily the head of the ship uh, as compared to when you're directing a feature film. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I, I, I definitely don't feel experienced or knowledgeable enough to really comment on any of the, the nuance to any of those things. But my perception is, is that, kind of like I was saying, in the case of, let's say, a feature film, you know, the the role of the director is to come in and you know bring this huge thing to life and in terms of like maybe let's say a sitcom or like a comedy show kind of director um your role is basically to steer people through one piece of a bigger puzzle um i don't know how common it is for some of these larger more dramatic original shows that like Netflix is doing. I don't know how common it is for those to keep a director for more than one episode. I could potentially see that being more common. I don't know. Um, but I would imagine the role is kind of similar is, you know, coming in to a pre-established world and, and basically carrying through the next, you know, leading everyone through the next step in that story. Um, in the commercial space, the role is definitely more about, you know, communicating something, something that people will engage with. So being really in tune with people's wants and needs and interests um, and, and kind of using those in service of selling a product. And the role is kind of to, to bring that creativity and that perspective to a much smaller um, kind of final piece but uh, it's still it's still that you know that role of bringing all of the creativity and abstract ideas into you know a concrete place. It's just generally on a smaller scale and for a very specific need. You know, it's it, you're not just there to necessarily entertain people; you're also there to sell something. At the end of the day, and then the role of the director in kind of the short film or the student film spaces. <laughs> I mean, I think to to just tell the story they want to tell, you know, in, in a way that's kind of the most 
freeing place is especially if it's self-financed <laughs> you know the blessing <laughs> and the curse of that is like if you're the only if you're the one paying for it then technically at the end of the day you're the only one that you have to you have to appease with the final product for better or for worse you know but <laughs> that's kind of my perception of, of some of those differences obviously who knows what do i know but <laughs> same can't think of anything to add on to that Nope. They set me up pretty good. I feel like they yeah, good thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, what all you guys said is key. To, uh, is important to keep in mind too. Um, like like we said, like you know, the TV I think is 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 or at least for for what I know, what do I know? Like you said, Eric, um, <laughs> TV is very much to the writer's uh, game. Mm. Um, narrative, mm -hmm. a short film or feature film is for, you know very much the director's game. Documentary is kind of determined in the edit so it's like the editor's game and like commercial kind of like what you said eric is very much uh you know toned down and focused upon the product itself or um the brand um but that also that can differ between you know brand content and uh, your traditional commercial versus uh, more story driven mm -hmm. yeah uh yeah uh kenton do you have any questions uh because you are the least experienced director. <laughs> Do you have any questions uh, for the rest of us on, of directing or how to direct or any specific things that you want to know that we could mm. hopefully help you, but <laughs> we are only a couple of years older than you? <laughs> um, I guess, how do you, or what is the best way to pretty much have your idea and then create it too? Mm. Yeah, I think for for me, it's it's okay. Number one, putting it down on paper, mm -hmm. and then creating that script. And then once I have that script, I can show it around to other people that I trust and get notes back. And then you just take it to the next stage after that, which is to plan the thing and <laughs> make it. <laughs> uh, key, I think, especially is you know getting the people that you trust to be on it uh, in terms mm -hmm. of cinematography and in terms of acting um, because those two things really drive the, the vision in your head. Mm -hmm. And then um, beneath all that, of course, all the other crew members and all the other things fill in as well. So mm -hmm. that's just me. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. I think I that's, that's spot on. Like just getting, getting it out there and making it like concrete, you know, get it out of your head and, and onto the page or, or wherever it is. And then mm -hmm. just find people to help you bring it to life. I think it's the thing like getting, getting other people attached to it is like the way to make it, you know, get, yeah. get, get other opinions, other perspectives, you know, it's not like, you know, you don't, I think a good director doesn't just like, bring on collaborators to be like extra hands, you know, like to give them like extra arms and things like that. Like, I think, you know, that the value in having collaborators is that they see things differently than you do. And obviously you're kind of still at the top steering everything creatively, but the value in like finding good people to work with is that they'll show you stuff that you couldn't have seen yourself. And, you know, part of that process of creating something with someone else gets them, excited about it too and 
And that kind of builds that momentum to get something made. You know, you're excited about it. You find someone else, they get excited about it and they find someone else and they get excited about it. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you build this team, even if it's a small team of people that have this momentum to like make this happen. And, and I think the caveat to that is that you have to be willing to let your idea change. And, yeah. you know, going back to the whole advice and, and input thing, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta maintain control of what you're after, but like, you also can't just be like, nope, the script I'm sending you will not change. This is the exact thing I'm making. You know, we're not doing anything differently. You know, that's the best way to make sure your idea doesn't get made. <laughs> you know, insistent that every everything you do or everything has to be done, you know, exactly yeah. as you originally imagined, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought that'd be my two cents. Yeah. I think I would envision it. Um, I think I would envision it as like a big funnel, right? At the top, mm-hmm. you have you and your concept of the idea. And then as you're writing the script, it's like funneling it down a little bit. And then as you get feedback, it's funneling it down even more. And then as you produce it and film it, it gets more and more and more and more and more funneled. Until at the very end, you edit it, color it, whatever. And then you get to the very end where it's like the 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 cone or the peak of the funnel, so to speak. And at that point, you have to kind of reestablish oh wait where where this process of this funnel did i get filtered out my idea or did my did this filter and all of these collaborators and all this feedback help me get my idea from where i thought it could be to where it could be and then i think that's a really good way for a student to kind of envision that process think about how you're taking this broad idea that's just ethereal in your head and making it into an actual film that you can then show to someone else Any good advice? <laughs> any any other questions or advice that you would like? Um, what would you consider as like this? Like, what's the position that you should try to fill directly after? Like, once you're ready to like, who's the first person that you go to to like for a position? Or what's the first position you add after yourself? For for me, it's the cinematographer. Yeah, you have to make. Because, you know, it is a, a visual medium, and therefore, mm-hmm. the next thing is a cinematographer, making sure that you can get across visually what you want. I mean, it might be a producer or a, an ex- executive producer to make sure that you can actually finance the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely kind of depends on, on what you're looking to do. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are director DPs, you know, where they're kind of the cinematographer and the, the director in one. Um, mm-hmm. And so someone like that may not necessarily look for a DP first. Maybe they'll look for an editor or, or yeah, maybe a producer if they can find one. Um, obviously, if you're going to have people in it, talent is pretty, yeah, <laughs> pretty quick thing you'll need. But, but definitely, like, if you're just going to be playing the role of directing and, and not holding the camera or anything like that, like, I think cinematographers generally uh, pretty high up on that list. Um, and then I think, I think an editor and a producer are the other big collaborators that you'll, you know, you'll need if, cause I mean, obviously, even if you have the skills to edit something, like, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, yeah, having multiple voices in the same room. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that, that like saying that, you know, your a film gets written three times, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. It's written in the script and then it's rewritten again on set during production and then it's rewritten one final time in the edit and 
there's there's honestly unless you like love 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 editing there's kind of something beautiful about you know shooting something and then just handing it off to someone else and saying <laughs> here's what i'm thinking i'd love to get your thoughts like and then having someone deliver something back to you that was you know better or going in a better direction than you could have you know envisioned but, i can um, definitely attest to that <laughs> yeah, but, like the cinematographer is like probably the biggest one if you're not going to shoot it yourself that's probably the first place i'd, I'd look is for someone to help you actually film it you know yeah and you're focused on actually getting it done the producer is also like the thing too yeah definitely yeah someone to help you put all your ducks in a row especially if you're a student filmmaker that doesn't really know the process maybe it's a best choice to then look for someone that has that experience to help you get all those ducks lined up for you to shoot (laughs) (laughs) so violent All right. Any other um, topics, questions, or things that you guys want to discuss or tackle on? No, this has been good. No. No? All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Bruno. Yeah, Yeah, thanks thanks for having us. That's it. Thanks once again to Kristen, Kitten Brenmere, and Eric Hardy for joining me on the podcast today. We'll probably be doing more podcasts on directing in the future, so look forward to those. I hope you enjoyed it, and you listen to more.